okay, you have a $10,000 bill tomorrow. How are you going to handle that? Can you handle that? Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Hello, friend. I'm Molly Jacobson. Today, we're talking about pet health insurance, what it is, what it covers, what it costs, and whether it's worth it. To do that, I'm joined by veterinarian and rehabilitation specialist, Amanda Hensley. Dr. Amanda Hensley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me and call me Amanda, please. Okay, (laughs) happy to do that. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us to talk to us about pet insurance, something that too few Americans have. Am I right? Absolutely. This is a hill I will die on that I think everyone (laughs) should have pet insurance for all your pets. And uh, it's definitely a growing industry and something that we're seeing more and more of in practice. But I think um, many pets are still underinsured, especially for major accidents and illnesses, which is, you know, main concern with most pet insurances. Yeah. So is it like human health insurance? Does it cover kind of the gamut of things or is it just for emergencies or how does that work? Yeah. So there's a lot of different options out there. The two main things that pet owners will come across at this point are wellness plans and accident and illness plans. And I'm going to focus more on accident and illness plans, but I'll talk a little bit about wellness plans just to start us off. These are more typically offered by veterinary practices. Banfield is the one that I'm most familiar with, and I think probably one of the first companies to offer these wellness plans. And basically, they're more for covering your preventative care. You pay a monthly fee or an annual fee. And that includes certain services, usually, you know, again, referring to Banfield, that covers vaccines, blood work, urinalysis, fecal exams, and a variety of other things, depending on which plan you're on. But they are definitely more geared towards the kind of recommended annual things that you expect. Those things can be expensive too. So it's a good way to to kind of stay on top of your pet's preventative care without, you know, having that bigger yearly bill. So you can just pay monthly and have those services included. Those plans do not typically cover accidents and illnesses. So that's where the bigger kind of unexpected expenses often come in. And the pet insurance plans that um, I'll be focusing on mostly today are more for accidents and illnesses for those kind of unexpected expenses that can get really costly really quickly if something happens that uh, that you're not prepared for or not expecting. Okay. So wellness plans are not necessarily offered by a pet insurance company as much as sort of maybe a large association or a large corporate chain of veterinary practices where they have the scale where they can afford to say, hey, you pay a monthly fee and you get all of these wellness services throughout the year as necessary for your pet to prevent anything or to catch things early when they're more treatable. Correct. I think there are some of the um, pet insurance companies that are now including preventative services. That's definitely a newer thing, but my experience has been that the wellness plans are more offered by by veterinary practices. And it is often the bigger kind of chain type practices, but there are smaller practices that are starting to um, offer those as well to help uh, pet owners kind of offset some of those costs throughout the year. 
That's kind of nice to pay a monthly premium, but then not have a real bill if you're going in and you're just getting routine blood work and a physical exam and sort of whatever it is that your dog at that stage of life needs on a wellness basis every year. So takes the sting out of those vet bills that can confront you when you get them all at once. Yeah, exactly. That's really nice. Now you mentioned that the accident and illness plans that are typically from a pet insurance company are for less expected things. But I just want to say that we should all expect that our dogs are at risk for cancer because one out of two dogs over the age of 10 gets it, right? It's like we could actually say that's almost an expected illness at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, we often refer to it as kind of um, the unexpected expenses, but when I talk to pet owners, especially those that aren't really interested in insurance, that's one of the things that always comes up is just, oh, you know, my dog's healthy. We've never had any issues with our dogs and that kind of thinking. And that's fantastic that they've never encountered one of those things. Yeah. But at some point, your dog's going to get sick. And like you said, cancer is really common. That is something that we see daily in practice, not necessarily serious life-threatening cancers, but all kinds of lumps and bumps and, you know, anything like that, that, that you're not necessarily planning ahead for, but we should be thinking about. What other illnesses would you have on your radar for people to be thinking about as their dog's age? Yeah. So most companies will cover really any kind of accident, any kind of illness. You know, thinking back to my own uh, previous dogs, I had one that had um, chronic gastrointestinal issues. So even though it wasn't we never really found an underlying cause. He probably just kept eating things outside that he shouldn't have. And he would end up <laughs> He was with... just naughty. Exactly. So <laughs> He was a gourmand. <laughs> exactly. So inevitably, he would end up with vomiting and diarrhea. And uh-huh. we would be um, at the clinic taking x-rays and just make sure there's not a blockage and that sort of thing. So even your kind of routine everyday illnesses are often covered by these plans and um, are things that, that your dog's going to encounter at some point. And to, you know, from the veterinary perspective, we often treat these things symptomatically just because we don't want the owner to have a big bill and because they're not necessarily life-threatening. But the standard of care often is to do x-rays or do an ultrasound and just make sure that we're not missing something. And those things can be costly and those costs can add up really quickly just for kind of a, a routine sort of minor illness. Wow. So if you have a puppy who likes to eat gravel and uh, rusty nails and all of the various kinds of poop out there mm-hmm. and that continues, that might be a dog that's eligible for a pet insurance plan for later in life when you're looking you, you, like a couple times a year, you have to take them in for x-rays to make yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd never thought of that. Okay. So how does this work in terms of, is it the same, like premiums, deductibles, like technically, how does this work? So it is similar in a lot of ways to uh, the health insurance that we're used to for humans. Luckily, it is typically a lot simpler than our uh, health insurance plans. Typically, there is a monthly premium and then you have a deductible. Those are kind of dependent on uh, your pet's age, breed. The premiums can vary depending on what level your deductible is. 
And one of the main differences then is that there is also the reimbursement kind of components. So most pet insurance plans then instead of, um, you know, you might go to the doctor, you may or may not have a copay or pay something out of the pocket. With pet insurance, you're typically paying the bill up front oh, and then okay. submitting a invoice. And once the company goes through the invoice, then uh, they will reimburse you for, you know, whatever coverage your plan includes. And, you know, just like in on the human side, the deductible is kind of how much you're responsible for paying regardless of what the bill is. So most of the plans that I'm familiar with have an annual deductible of, you know, $250 or $500, for example. And once you reach that deductible, then there's a percentage that they reimburse you. So again, most plans, you can choose 70%, 80%, or 90%. And your premiums are going to change based on your deductible level and the percentage of reimbursement. Okay. So the more that you ask them to pay on the back end, when you have a problem, the your premium is probably going to be higher on a month-to-month basis. Yes. Typically, the higher deductible, typically the lower the premium is, just like on on the human side. And then the, the reimbursement is really um, kind of the main difference and what makes it much more straightforward. But again, some of them do offer 100% reimbursement. You're going to pay a lot higher premiums for those than um, the lower percentage. But most companies, I think, have options so you can kind of mix and match. So you can kind of find a premium that works for you based on, you know, kind of what you're comfortable with paying every month or every year and uh, depending on your deductible and your level of reimbursement. So when you're choosing these plans, are they kind of like human my dad used to be in the insurance industry. I grew up in mm-hmm. Connecticut where everybody was in the insurance industry. So I know all the tricks of the insurance industry, one of which is to never offer the same plan as your competitor so that you can never make an apples to apples comparison <laughs> between insurance plans and insurance providers. So I'm wondering if something similar happens on the pet insurance side. Are they kind of clever about never having their plan exactly match everybody else's so that you kind of have to hunt and choose? Yeah, I would say that happens to some degree. I think it's probably less pronounced than in the um, insurance industry that we're used to. I think when I first finished veterinary school, there were only a couple of companies to choose from and they were not drastically different in coverage. And as more and more companies have started and kind of up their marketing and of course, as you know, social media and Facebook and everything has mm-hmm. gotten um, more popular. So people are better connected and talking about, you know, what's going on. I just had a long conversation with a friend about her pet insurance and it was very different than what I had for my guys. So I do think that happens to some degree and there's a lot of variation and kind of coverages and exclusions and things like that. But I would venture guess that most of them are fairly similar because the veterinary industry is a little simpler overall than the human healthcare industry. That's true. So do you have a favorite provider? So I I would say I have two. My dogs were always insured with Healthy Paws Pet Insurance, and I found them just to be fantastic. I had them for probably about eight years for one dog and 12 or more years for another dog. Wow, okay. And 
I literally never had any issues getting reimbursed and they were very clear about, you know, what was covered, what wasn't covered. I can't say enough good things about them. They, like most companies, the premiums did go up every year. So when our plan would renew as my dog's age, the premiums went up and it was kind of dramatic over the course of, you know, my last dog's life over the course of 10 years. But still, I think that, you know, compared to the costs of things that, that happened at the end of his life, it was definitely worth it and, and not that much. I do think that that's something that people are surprised by when the premium goes up every year. So I think that pet owners should kind of expect that because as your dog ages, you expect them to be more expensive and they're going to be more prone to getting, you know, chronic diseases and injuries and things like that. But to to answer your question, I've been really happy with Healthy Paws. And then I have a friend and former client who has Fetch. I think it used to be called Pet Plan, and it's now called Fetch. And Mm -hmm. they now have three problematic pets that Mm. they have all insured and have been uh, very, very happy with their coverage from Fetch and kind of their experience with them. Okay. So in terms of getting your dog insured... If my dog already has cancer, do I have any hope of getting that covered? Probably not the cancer itself. And that is a common question. I am not aware of any companies that cover pre-existing conditions. So something that has already been diagnosed is probably going to be on their list of exclusions. That being said, there's a lot of things that come with cancer and cancer treatment. And we're often talking about older dogs. So if you are, say your dog is, you know, undergoing, um, chemo for a certain type of cancer, but they also have arthritis or are prone to getting um, GI issues from the chemo, then those things are more likely to be covered. A lot of companies cover acupuncture and rehab and medications and things like that. So things that aren't necessarily directly related to the cancer, but that you might be looking into treating your dog for at the same time. So it can still help offset some of those costs for kind of giving your dog the, the best overall treatment for what they have going on. Okay. So that's really interesting. So if I have a, just a hypothetical dog who has lymphoma, I've committed to the CHOP protocol and that's thousands of dollars. I decide to set up an insurance plan for them. It's not going to cover the CHOP, but it might cover the rehab that the dog needs as a result of, let's say, muscle wasting that leads to arthritis, that then they are now like not as mobile as they used to be, that there are other things going on that could get covered. Yeah, absolutely. And that, of course, is going to vary a bit uh, between companies. I think most companies are pretty cut and dry about what they cover and what they don't. And, mm-hmm. you know, say your dog has lymphoma and that's considered a pre existing condition because it's already been diagnosed, but you get insurance after the diagnosis and then your dog starts to have the muscle wasting and is, you know, diagnosed with arthritis or, you know, whatever and and rehab is recommended, then that typically would be considered a separate condition from the cancer because it is. Yeah. They're, you know, of course, interrelated, but it's, you know, in that case, you're kind of treating arthritis, not cancer. Right. So um, a lot of the companies will still cover 
other things that are going on at the same time. A car accident, for example. Exactly. Yeah. That dog could get that the surgery or emergency services covered. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I've always thought, well, once your dog has cancer, there's really no point, but maybe there really is. Yeah. And it, you know, I think it all comes down to a pet owner's kind of financial situation. Yeah. A lot of folks will put themselves in a bind to treat their, their animals. And if, they're able to, you know, say the the cancer that you're treating is curable, or the uh, treatment protocol is, you know, short term but still expensive, and you want to make sure that you're covered for other things. Then I do think it's worth looking into. Yeah, have you ever done an analysis with your own dogs about what things would have cost if you didn't have those monthly premiums in place? Like how much money you actually ended up saving? Over time? I did of sorts. So my last dog, Murphy, he ended up, when he was about 12, having a uh, fibroma in his mouth. And the treatment for that, it's, you know, it's a benign cancer typically, but it's locally destructive. So um, you typically have to remove that. And so in his case, you know, he was an older guy. He'd been healthy up to that point. So there were many times throughout the years that I was paying these premiums and we almost never needed to use insurance. So I was, you know, every year back and forth about, am I going to keep doing this or am I going to cancel it? And luckily I kept it because that fibroma, the surgery ended up costing about $7,000 when it was all said and done. They, We had to do a CT scan first to make sure that it was resectable and to kind of plan the surgery. And then just all the diagnostics that go into that. We typically want to do chest x-rays to make sure he doesn't have any tumors anywhere else and blood work mm -hmm. and just all the things to make sure he's healthy enough for surgery. So that was about in total $7,000. And I did the math on it and up to that point had paid about 5000 or less into his insurance plan. And it I ended up spending out of pocket about 700 on the surgery because he was covered at 90% reimbursement. And at that point, it became very clear <laughs> that uh, luckily I had kept that for all that time. Yeah. So you saved over $1,000 mm -hmm. on cash mm -hmm. outlay, and you also had the prepayment of that in a way, like that you didn't have to do it all at once. It was paid out over time. Yeah. I'm sure your budget appreciated that. Oh, yes. Instead of one big bill. Yeah. I mean, this is why people don't treat things sometimes because they look at it and they say, I cannot afford this. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that was just one incident. He also, shortly after that, had um, some liver issues. So we did, you know, ultrasound and biopsy and all these things, and those added up. And, you know, the last last two years of his life, he was very expensive and was fully covered by. So it's I like the way you phrase that, kind of a, a prepayment for these yeah. future issues. Let's assume that things will eventually go wrong and that mm -hmm. we need to have a cushion. Absolutely. Okay, Amanda, let's just take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. And when we get back, I want to talk more about what age your dog should be when you get your dog insured. And now a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Oh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, 
I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glossy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. <laughs> it infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, <laughs> I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damien Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. 
It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with Dr. Amanda Hensley. So when you get your dog covered young, does that make a difference in your mind? I think so. One of the challenges with pet insurance is that most companies don't cover pre-existing conditions. So if you're starting them as a puppy, which with the dog I was just talking about, he was a young adult when I got him and I got him insured on day one because my previous dog was kind of a health nightmare. So um, I learned my (laughs) lesson. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, like I mentioned before, his premiums did go up every year. So when he was, uh, I think he was about two when we first insured him and his premiums were something like $27 a month. And when he died at 14 or 15 last year, his premiums were like 130 a month. So it's a pretty big difference, but that's over, you know, 12 years. And, And like we just talked about the cost savings was um, totally worth it with um, all the things that happened later in life. All that being said, I think in his case, it wasn't an issue, but a lot of folks will wait until something happens. And then it gets a little bit more complicated at that point, because just like a lot of insurance companies, though, they're going to look for pre-existing conditions. So if you sign your dog up when he's, say, two, and he has a two-year history of having chronic gastrointestinal issues, then they may not cover that in the future. They may consider that pre-existing. And in my um, experience as a rehab vet, I would see dogs that have um, ACL tears uh, really frequently. That commonly happens in both knees. And people, you know, the dog tears its ACL, they go in, they realize it's going to cost five, six, seven thousand dollars for the surgery. So then they want to get insurance, and the company's kind of caught on her, like, no, 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 this is this is pre-existing. If it happened in one leg, it's going to happen in the other one. So I think that starting them young is essential, and I I don't think it's, I can't say ever too late, but I I don't think it's too late at most points in life to start with insurance, but the earlier you start, the better as far as kind of avoiding those pre-existing things and and just, you know, some crazy accident happening and then them not being able to be covered. Right. So it sounds to me like, well, my dad would have said, Insurance is peace of mind. Yes. <laughs> You're paying for peace of mind. So to get 
the optimal peace of mind with your dog, would you say the best thing to do is when you get a new dog, whatever age, if you have access to a wellness plan for daily stuff, for everyday stuff, and then get a pet insurance plan for accidents and illnesses. Does that sound like a good strategy? I think so. I think especially if your uh, financial situation is kind of uncertain for whatever reason, I think that, that having both is ideal. You know, I I never really was interested in the wellness plans personally because those are expenses that I expect to have with my dogs. And that's just something mm-hmm. that I know they're going to have vaccines and they're going to have blood work and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. At this point, I don't have any pets at the moment, but the next next what? dog I get, I know <laughs> my, my little Murphy guy died about a year ago and I have not, oh, so uh, have not gotten any, uh, any new companions yet. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. And, and when I do, I will probably look for either a a clinic that offers wellness plans or something similar in addition to getting pet insurance, because it's just, I don't know. It's, I like the, the peace of mind reference. It's just so nice to like, yes, it's a monthly bill, but it's small compared to the every six month bill that you're going to get or every year bill you're going to get if you're staying on top of all the preventative care. And then I often tell people to consider, you know, when you're thinking about this, I think a lot of folks have never spent more than a couple hundred dollars at a time on their dog. And that's just not the world that we live in anymore. So I encourage pet owners to think about it in the sense of like, okay, you have a $10,000 bill tomorrow. How are you going to handle that? Can you handle that? And think about it and kind of through that lens, because realistically it's um, things are very expensive in the veterinary world. And it's, it's not because, you know, veterinary professionals are trying to get rich or anything. We're just paying Mm -hmm. the same prices for equipment and drugs and all those things. So it costs a lot of money to treat your dogs and keep veterinary clinics open. And I, that's only going to get worse, I imagine in the coming years. So, and I love the idea of saying when you're getting a dog, Think of it as a $10,000 investment that at yeah. some point you're going to have to pay $10,000. Absolutely. And it'll be all at once at the end of life or it'll be over time. Yeah. And that the insurance, if you insure them young when they have ideally no pre existing, then all of those things will eventually be covered to a large extent and you'll end up saving or maximizing that $10,000 outlay yeah. and paying it over time. Yes. I've never thought about it. Do you think that $10,000 is a good sort of budget per dog? That is a really good question and, and an argument that I have with folks a lot. I Just a few days ago, a woman that I know was planning on canceling her insurance for her three dogs because, unfortunately, I can totally understand her frustration. The insurance company is just um, not reimbursing her as she expected them to, and she can't get an explanation as to why. So her argument was if she just puts that money in a savings account and has... You know, in three years, she would have $10,000, but she has three dogs. And, you know, I also think that anybody 
should have that savings for their pets as well, but that can be wiped out in, you know, three or four days if your dog gets hit by a car or just anything uh, crazy that happens. You know, one of my good friend's dog was just, we still have no idea what happened. She was just really sick one day. She was hospitalized for four or five days. She got better and it was $12,000 and she was in the ICU for about five days on fluids and of course getting repeat blood work and, and we still don't have any answers. And um, it was $12,000 and that can happen at any moment. And I think that's the type of thing that that folks don't think about. So I would say at least $10,000 because you can kind of... Per animal. Yes. You can blow through that really quickly if, if surgery or hospitalization or chemotherapy or some of these more advanced treatments are required. Yeah. Tell me another crazy patient story. (laughs) Uh, There's so many. I had um, a young Australian shepherd a few years ago that, you know, these are super responsible pet owners, very well-trained dog. He's never done this before, but for whatever reason, the Amazon guy or somebody knocked on the door. They opened the door right as a bunny ran by. Oh, no. The dog bolted, ran out into the street, got hit by a car. Oh. And she was fine, ultimately, but she did have surgery twice. She had pelvic fractures and some nerve injuries. So after two surgeries, and um, this was when I was still in a rehab practice, she was seeing me for rehab twice a week. And um, it was over about a four month period that we were doing rehab to get her walking again. And once she started walking again and getting stronger, she went on and did great and made a complete recovery. But that was just shy of $18,000 after all the diagnostics and hospitalization and two major surgeries and then the associated rehab. They were very thankful that they had pet insurance for her. They covered, um, I can't remember what their reimbursement level was, but they ended up paying a very small portion of that out of pocket and luckily, you know, could afford it. But still, you know, $18,000, that's even your, your portion of that is still a lot. So I think that my goodness. Yeah, just I don't know, you just have to be prepared for those those things. We see sad cases all the time of, of people that simply just can't afford it and um it breaks our hearts as veterinarians too when when we come across these things that are that are fixable but we there's just not funds to fix it. That must be really heartbreaking. Obviously it's really heartbreaking for the pet parent, but that must feel very very stressful for you as a veterinarian. Yes, it is. And most of us would, would do the job for free or for very little if we could, but it's just, that's just not realistic. So we, we see pets all the time that we want to do more for and, and just can't because of the expenses associated with it. So that's why you want people to get pet insurance. Yes, absolutely. So they don't have Always. to make that decision <laughs> based solely on finances. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, back to your reference of of calling insurance peace of mind, it's uh, for me, it's totally worth it if, you know, a hundred bucks a month or 30 bucks a month or whatever it is to know that if my dog is diagnosed with a terrible type of cancer or has a serious injury or illness that I can just go for it. I don't have to, you know, try to find money or try to figure out how I'm going to pay for it. And, you know, a lot of people will put themselves in in bad situations financially to take Mm -hmm. care of their pets. And we hate to see that happen, too. Yeah. I've heard from a lot of people over the years who took out a second mortgage or went into credit card debt that they absolutely did not know how they were going to pay back. 
but they needed to take care of their dog at that moment. And so they took that risk and it's really, really difficult whether things work out the way you hope or not, it's still difficult to face those bills when they come due. Absolutely. I have a question that might be a little hard for you to answer as the animal lover you are, (laughs) but what dogs should absolutely be insured from the moment they can be insured? Because you just look at them and think that dog's going to get X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Like, What are the unhealthiest dogs, I guess, is another way of asking. I would say, um, you know, of course, my opinion is all of them. But if I had to pick, (laughs) (laughs) we definitely see a lot of issues with, you know, the doodle breeds, doodle mixes are increasingly popular and they have all sorts of issues we're finding Mm. with allergies and mobility, joint problems. They seem to inherit often the bad health issues from both sides. Um, And that's not exclusive Mm. to doodles. That's really common with a lot of breeds. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, if I was picking a group, I would say any, any purebred or purposefully bred dog. Purposefully bred. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. And um, especially those that are, you know, in Colorado, it's everyone has, you know, a quote unquote adventure dog. So um, climbing (laughs) mountains and things like that. And it's just it's just incredible how dogs will find ways to injure themselves. So any dog that you're going out, you know, here, rattlesnakes are a big issue. So and everybody's out hiking all the time, all summer. So any dog that you're going to be active with competing with anything like that, um, athlete dogs and dogs that are, are super active, I would absolutely recommend it. Yeah. So I was expecting to get one type of dog and you started there, but then expanded. You really think every dog should be fully <laughs> I really insured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I understand why after talking to you about this and, and reading your article on dogcancer.com. Thank you for writing it. Yeah. So pleasure. clearly lays out and has lots of links to all of these providers so people can do their own research. Now, when you're looking at setting up a new insurance plan, do you recommend people just call the insurance provider and talk to somebody so they can get questions answered and maybe get some insights they wouldn't get just from the website? Absolutely. I think that's going to be really important because, of course, everything that's written in, you know, legalese is going to be maybe a little more confusing than it has to be. Mm -hmm. So especially finding out about um, exceptions, like what's not covered and when and why. And if there's some companies will put a cap on how much they pay out in a year or over the dog's lifetime. And there's all kinds of just little things in some of these policies. So talking to somebody to to iron out some of those, um, I think would be really helpful. And I don't think I've ever actually had anybody do this while I was practicing, but I would be thrilled if a client just wanted to sit down and talk about pet insurance and, and have their veterinarian talk to or a veterinary staff member talk to someone at the company if they have specific questions. Because I think the, the average pet owner, I think, doesn't really necessarily know what questions to ask or what to expect mm. or what some of these things mean. So so I think talking mm-hmm. to your your veterinary team 
can be really helpful and uh, talking to somebody at the company because of course websites are are marketing so they're right. they're not going to display the things that they don't want you to know very prominently or the the things that that they may not want to advertise so the the information should be there but you probably have to dig for it a lot more and i think just talking to a person is probably going to get you more information a little bit i think so too and also asking questions like what is not covered and what is the problem with this like why shouldn't i buy this plan versus that plan like what is the real difference here because whenever somebody's offering you more than one option there's a reason right something's excluded or something's included or both yes and so these are all salespeople, right their yes. <laughs> their job is to get you to buy and they have to have answers for those questions. And the best time to ask somebody who's selling you something lots of questions is before you've actually put any money in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're most motivated to be helpful and, yeah. and to reward you with the best possible deal yes. <laughs> at that moment. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point, too, and something we haven't touched on yet that I think it's particularly important when you're choosing a company to kind of have the whole picture up front because it's not that you can't change plans, but again, pre-existing conditions are likely not covered. So if you're with a plan for a couple of years and you're not happy with it and you switch to something, then anything that's in your dog's medical record in those few years can be considered pre-existing. So, you know, it's hard to know, but I think making the most educated decision that you can early on is really important. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I know Nationwide has been doing these incredible They've been doing all these white papers. We've had Dr. Jules Benson on a couple of times to talk about what they've been finding as they look at their millions of claims mm -hmm. and they're looking for patterns. And then they're writing white papers about what happens with dogs in a certain illness and what they're finding out from their claims. So Nationwide has been doing all of this analysis of all of their claims and they're finding these really interesting things that are breed specific or size specific. They did mm -hmm. one paper on size. And one of the things they found was that for small dogs, they were more likely than medium size and large dogs to get breast cancer at an early age. Interesting. And this is really unusual, right? Because small dogs typically get lower rates of cancer. Right. So as someone who has small dogs, I took note of that, that I'm going to be more aware in the future that my small dogs might be more at risk for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Do we know exactly why? There's some theories, but that's not what we're really thinking about. We're just thinking yeah. about those statistics and how to apply them to our individual dogs. And I just thought that that's the kind of thing you can ask a pet insurance company and say, what do I need to know about my breed? What do I need to have in my plan about my breed or the size of dog? that I have, like my dog's going to be about 50 pounds. Is there anything I need to plan for? Mm -hmm. Because then you can make sure that you're selecting a plan that actually will cover that. When that dog's young, they want to sell you that plan now because yeah. that's years <laughs> of income for them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any other tips, Amanda, about how to get the right provider, how to choose someone trustworthy? And are there any scams people should be looking out for? Yeah, I don't know of any scams offhand. I do remember I had a client several years ago that I never was really clear on what exactly their 
plan was supposed to cover, but they had this really vague kind of sliding scale. And somehow every time they submitted a claim, it didn't fall within the scale that nobody seemed to know or be able to tell them, you know, what, what the scale okay. was or what the parameters were. Uh-huh. And that's always stuck with me because I just, I, I remember them asking, you know, if I could help. And I was looking over their paperwork and it just made no sense whatsoever. And the company is no longer in existence. Ah. That's probably why. Yeah. But I think anything like that, you can't make sense of it where it's just really unclear and the other thing that I would recommend, and we touched on this a little bit, but um, is just asking real people what their experiences are with different companies, you know, people at the, the dog park or at your vet clinic or whoever, because of course you can go online and find a million five-star reviews for any company that can, you know, find a way to make that happen. That's not, uh, I don't think that's the best reflection necessarily. Mm -hmm. So asking, asking people what their experiences have been um, personally with different companies and, and different illnesses with their dogs, I think is probably one of the best ways to kind of assess whether a company might be right for you and your dog. That's a really good point. And the veterinary staff is often the people who are actually processing paperwork of all kinds. It's not necessarily the veterinarian. Right. It's the techs or the front office staff or the office manager. So they'll have good information for you as well. When you're checking out, you can literally ask that person who's taking your credit card payment or your check and say, what do you suggest? Yep. Great resources. Okay. That's very helpful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda. We really appreciate your dedication to dog health and to prevention with pet health insurance. Thanks for having me on. And thank you listener for being here. Check the show notes for Dr. Amanda Hensley's article about pet health insurance. She has been very active on our excellent site, dogcancer.com. So you'll find lots of other articles that she's involved with as well. Follow us and share this podcast and our website, dogcancer.com with your friends and the veterinary staff at your vet hospital. I'm Molly Jacobson. And for all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'm wishing you and your dog a warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcancer.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of... Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.